G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It is really important to understand where we stand with God. And in today's program, we're going to see that we are nothing less than His dwelling place on earth. Our series is entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. In 2 Corinthians 6, verses 13 to 18, it speaks about our position before God, that is, as Christian believers. The New Testament is replete with all kinds of descriptions of who we are in Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are kings. We are priests. We are more than conquerors. We have the victory And that should be stated, the victory, the ultimate of victories, the victory of victories. So we are, in essence, the ultimate of victors. But in this passage, we learn that we are the temple of God. Now, before I go any further on this, first of all, what happens is that from verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 6, Paul makes a plea for openness. If you want to grow and bear fruit and succeed in whatever God has called you to do, it is vitally important that you don't close yourself off, as most do, but that you remain open, willing to learn, willing to upgrade, willing to be corrected so that you're back on track, willing to be pruned so that you can bear more fruit. Remember, the flesh is very unwilling. And if we live in the flesh, we're not going to be open. But if we are in the Spirit, born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, then we should be very open, meaning we're hungry for the Word, thirsty for the Holy Spirit, and willing to be rightly related to the body of Christ. Then we are exhorted not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This usually is interpreted that we don't marry an unbeliever. And for that matter, we don't even marry people who say they are believers, but their vision, their worldview, everything is so different to ours. Because unless it is a view that honors the Word of God as the highest and sole source of authority for faith and practice, and who welcomes the Holy Spirit to not only guide us into the new birth, but guide us through the Christian life. And if it has also an attitude of true ecumenism, where we are related to everyone who names the name of Jesus, regardless of their church affiliation, unless we have that view, why would you marry someone that is different to all that? But it goes on that basically, rhetorically, how can Christ and those that belong to him be linked to the things of the world or even, in the extreme, 
the things of the devil? And the answer is we cannot, nor should we. That's why we learn in 2 Corinthians 6.16 that we are the temple of God. And that means God dwells in us. The temple is no longer a tent of a tabernacle. It is no longer a marble building in Jerusalem that was offered animal sacrifices and housed the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. No, the actual house of God are people. He dwells in us as well as we dwell in him. And because of that, we are told to come out from among them and to be separate. It's a high and holy calling. And therefore, the practical response to being the temple of God is that we should no longer, shall we say, have fellowship with the works of darkness. That doesn't mean we have no contact or are unfriendly to people in the world, but we are separate. That's as simple as that. Because to be unseparate, to be attached, is to defile the temple and the consequences will be nothing short of catastrophic. We're not to untouch, or shall we say, not touch the unclean thing. And all of this that we do, coming out, being separate, not touching the unclean thing, means God will receive us and adopt us as his very own. Let us read the key passage here and go in more detail, verse by verse. The passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13 to 18. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13 to 18. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13 to 18. Our lesson is called, You Are the temple of God. Praise the Lord for that. But before we learn about being the temple, there is a plea for openness, or Paul uses the phrase enlarged. To be open is to be enlarged as well. More than age and even more than experience, continual openness is a key for growth spiritually and in every other way. Openness implies hunger for the things of God. Openness also means a willingness to learn at any age. Oh, and with that willingness to learn is a willingness to unlearn, to discard, jettison, erase, delete things in our lives that we thought were right, true, and important, but we found out they're anything but. Why would you want to hold on to anything that has misled you or no longer is valid? It needs to be junked. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 is truly a practical verse for the spiritually mature. It says, prove all things. Hold fast to what is good. So we are not to be pigeonholed as some or even many try to do to us, saying we are a certain type of people, right-wingers, conservative, maybe bigoted or small or narrow-minded. We're nothing of the kind. How can we be when we're serving the living God who has love, who has grace, who has peace? How can we be when we're showing the discernment, which comes with maturity, of proving all things? If something is still good, we hold on to it. If something 
was good, but no longer we let it go. If something we thought was good proves to be evil, we drop it like a hot coal. We don't want it anymore. To me, this is wisdom. It is discretion. It is the fear of the Lord. That's why there's the plea for openness. It is amazing and even concerning how even educated Christian people can be not open to new people or to new things. Well-known cliques and established comfort zones can be death traps. Your ability to grow in Christ is commensurate or proportional to your openness before God to move in your life, to expose you to new ways and people, and to jettison the things that are not good. And then we get to the next phrase, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what communion has light with darkness? Good question. And let's see really what it all means. This is a clarion call, by the way. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It is a solid command that we do not yoke ourselves with unbelievers. This usually implies marriage. Righteousness and lawlessness cannot have fellowship. Light and darkness cannot have communion. I don't know how clearer this command can be. And yet, let's be perfectly honest, we're here to help people. We're not here to condemn, but conviction is not condemnation. On the contrary, conviction is God's love in action. Basically, it's like a warning light saying, don't go this way. You will engender great harm if you do. That is not condemnation, and it is evil and wrong and even a lie to say otherwise. No, the fact is, for various reasons, and I do understand, humanly speaking, some of the reasons. People are willing, as believers, as as maybe even solid believers, to contemplate a lifetime commitment to a person that hasn't received Jesus and may not even particularly be interested in receiving Jesus. Sometimes that person, the believer, thinks, oh, look, I will win them to the Lord. It appears that this happens only in a minority of cases. What usually happens is if a believer marries an unbeliever, instead of that believer lifting the unbeliever up to a place of faith, the unbeliever drags down the believer. And even if the believer doesn't stop believing, they are slowed down, they lose momentum, they may be hit and miss with church attendance, fellowship, devotional time with God, and the consequences will be very, very bad. It probably is something that is not easy to say, but it's better to obey this passage and stay single than to embrace somebody in contradiction to Scripture and have a lifetime of regret. For people who are single and are believers and long to find a life partner, it is more challenging today. And I can't have time to go into the reasons. It is challenging today to find somebody who is solid in faith and willing to share their life and willing to make the the compromises that marriage has. And I don't mean compromises morally or ethically, but I mean in terms of temperament and direction and so on. It may be more challenging, but you know what? Just remember this, friend. With God, nothing is impossible. Just because it's a challenge doesn't mean you won't win the challenge, but you will need perhaps to take some strong steps. Prayer, fasting, a willingness to change your place of association. If your field is not broad enough, then enlarge your field so you meet more people and have a better chance. Much I can share on this, and we have a series called Romeo and Juliet, which you can find more of at our website. So with this in mind, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Light and darkness do not mix. Righteousness and unrighteousness, 
do not mix. And here comes more rhetorical questions. How can Christ be mixed with Belial, which of course is like another description of the devil? And the short answer is he can't. He can't be mixed with Belial. It is like asking what association does a holy God have with the devil? And the answer is he doesn't. So if God cannot be linked with Belial, neither can God's servants be linked with an unbeliever. Though the Bible both testaments, is clear on this point. As I've said earlier, it is concerning how many believers are willing to enter into union with unbelievers. It's not that we don't love unbelievers, can't be friendly with unbelievers, can't share life to some extent, but marriage is a whole different proposition. And that's why if you have a high view of scripture, you will have a high view of marriage and you will not settle for anything less than God's best for your life. Seldom does the believer manage to lead the unbeliever to Christ once they're in the union. As I said, oftentimes the unbeliever pulls down the believer. Occasionally, this situation can be deemed tolerable on the surface, but in most cases, it is still a disaster. Publicly, privately, and spiritually, I urge you, don't go in this area. Stay single till you've prayed through, fasted through, and obeyed whatever God's told you till the right person comes. Also remember this, as long as you are engaged romantically, dating, courting, even marrying, but but I should say short of getting married, as long as you're with somebody else who really is not God's will for your life, you are not available for the person who is God's will for your life. It's better to stand back and take a group perspective, and you will see more clearly who's who and who is right for you. Verse 16, 2 Corinthians 6. What a wonderful verse that tells us, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As the Lord has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What a victorious declaration. Can the temple of God host idols? Answer, God forbid. Paul goes on to say that we are the temple of the living God. And he doesn't just say that here in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians 6. He says it also in Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, and Hebrews 3, verse 6. Because of all this, he's quoting from Exodus chapter 29 and verse 45. Exodus 29, 45. God says he will dwell with them, walk with them. He will be their God and they shall be his people. So we have a high and holy calling and therefore we are duty bound by God's sacred command to keep from commingling to the point of a marital commitment with unbelievers. All right. With that in mind, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It reminds me of that verse in Jude, the New Testament epistle Jude, that says they hated the garments, even spotted by the flesh. I'm not talking again about being a neurotic, legalistic, paranoid, religious fanatic. We're talking about holiness. Holiness is the only way you're going to see the Lord. And without it, you go the way of all unholy things. It's that important. Fortunately, we don't have to work it up in a lather. Holiness comes by our faith in the Lord Jesus. Our practical response in light of Exodus 29:45. Number one, come out from among those who are unholy. Number two, be separate. Friends, remember, 
As much as we want to be accepted in the world, as much as we want to be relevant to the culture, to be contextual and everything else, there comes a point, we better be clear on this, we will always be different to the world. Even if we try to tangle with them to some extent, it at the end of the day, we are in the light and they are not. And for you to try to make it work both ways, it's again the proverbial thing I've always shared, having one foot on the pier and one foot on the embarking boat. You can't do it. It's double-mindedness and double-mindedness brings instability in everything. Be separate because we already are. Let's quit denying the reality. Number three, do not touch the unclean thing. Do all this and God will receive you. The sooner you attend to this practical point, the better off you will be. Finally, verse 18 tells us that come out from among them and be separate and I will receive you and you will be, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Not only are we God's temple, we are adopted by God too. Following this command brings more blessing. God will be our father and there is no greater honor than this very thing. Now our lesson is called, We Are the Temple of God. Our lesson for life is make a decision to live for God in holiness and wholeheartedness, and the benefits will never end. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you, friends, for liking our page. You can also subscribe through our website to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles on the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and World Trends from a Biblical View. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. We are your temple. We will come out and be separate. Thank you for receiving us, adopting us, and making us part of your household. We praise you for all this through Christ the King. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.